The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, that's an opinion that people seem to have that diabetes is diabetes and diabetes is reversible and it's a result of what you've done and what you haven't done and what you've eaten. It's your fault. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going, guys? How are you? Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the first episode of the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen Costello. Now, you're probably wondering, who is this strange man speaking in my ear, and why does he have an unusual accent I've never heard before? So let me just introduce myself briefly before we get going. I was born in a town in Ireland called Bray, just outside of Dublin. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 19, and... My initial thought when I was diagnosed was, what is going on here? What, what am I going to do? How is my life going to change? What does this entail for the future? As I've grown up and I've learned to deal with the condition, uh, I've traveled the world, I've won awards, and I've set up my own online personal training business specifically for other diabetics. So when I was 19 and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I was a blank slate of information. I knew absolutely nothing, zero. So for the past eight years, I've dedicated myself to being obsessed with finding out information about it. I've read articles, online interviews, YouTube videos, read books, anything you can imagine I've been researching. So the reason I've set up this podcast is to share the information that I've learned from my own life, my own experiences, and how I've learned to deal and combat this daily disease. And that's why I want to redefine diabetes in this podcast and fortunately for me today, I'm joined, <laughs> I'm joined with my friend Graham in the studio. So Owen, basically I have no clue what diabetes is. I've been your friend for the last seven years and you're probably the only person I know who has diabetes. I know it's got something to do with sugar and I know there's two types. I'm aware that you're a type 1 diabetic, but other than that, I have zero information. I'm the person that you are talking about, the ill-informed person that knows <laughs> nothing about what it is. So can you basically break down what diabetes is what diabetes is if only i'd known back when i was when i was 19 <laughs> so basically there are, there are various different types of diabetes but 
when we're speaking here and someone is specifically talking about diabetes or referring to it, more often than not, they're referring to either type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is the diabetes that I have. Type 2 diabetes is more than likely the diabetes that you may be referring to (laughs) or most people refer to when they talk about sugar or people being overweight or that kind of thing. Now, type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. I want to try and explain this in layman's terms because when I was in hospital, people used to say all the medical words and this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And I was sitting in, I was sitting in a hospital bed being like, look, I have, no, I have no idea what this thing is. So you just need to tell me it. Speak to me like I'm a child. I know nothing. This is how it is. I like to use analogies to help describe things. And specifically for diabetes, this is a good one I like to use. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Basically, happens or it doesn't. You get it or you don't. There's nothing you can do to prevent it. There's nothing you do to bring it on. They believe it may be hereditary, but they don't really know. Is there anybody in your family who's a diabetic? Do you know what? My dad My dad told me that his grandmother was type 1 diabetic. Oh, yeah. okay. So there you go. So maybe that is related in some way. Would have been completely different for her to live with diabetes. Well, that's then. the thing, yeah. And I, I was only talking to him briefly about it last night. And I was thinking, here's me checking my, my blood sugar. Here's me using my EpiPens. And it's all very convenient nowadays. But if you go back 50, 60 years, like, it could nearly be a death sentence. Yeah. Now, it wasn't, thankfully, because they had insulin at that stage. But, uh, yeah, it would have been a lot more difficult than it is nowadays. So for a dummy like me, who has no clue, you got diagnosed in 19 with type 1 diabetes how does that happen? Like, what do, what happened in your body for that to happen? Okay, Graham. Let's take you for example, right? If you let's see, if you eat a chocolate bar, your body needs to get the nutrient. Well, there's not much nutrients from a chocolate bar. So, if you eat a chocolate bar, your body wants to get those nutrients into your cell so your body can use that as energy. Okay, insulin is released from your pancreas when you eat a chocolate bar. The insulin from your pancreas acts as a key the cell in your body is like a lock you need to get the food into the lock with a key the insulin goes to the cell opens up the lock when the cell is opened up the food can get in and you can use those nutrients as energy now for myself and other type 1 diabetics our pancreas doesn't work for whatever reason it's gotten lazy and it's done a runner. Doesn't doesn't do its job, okay? Imagine another organ in your body just stopped working. It's not ideal, all right? So when I eat a chocolate bar or another type 1 diabetic eats a chocolate bar, the glucose will be floating around your bloodstream trying to get into the cell. Because there is no insulin from my pancreas, the cell cannot be unlocked and this glucose is bouncing off the cell, bouncing off the cell, trying to get in but there's a buildup of glucose because it's not going anywhere. It's staying in your bloodstream. So therefore, for myself and other diabetics, we have to manually inject insulin. So it's like, I view my EpiPen as like an external pancreas. So when you eat a chocolate bar, your body deals with it internally. When I eat a chocolate bar, I need to deal with it externally. So I presume when you talk about having high blood pressure, no, high blood Sugar. Pleasure. This is when the buildup of glucose just keeps rising and rising and rising because it can't get into the cell. So you then inject 
insulin into your body. Absolutely, yeah. And then that goes straight into your cells? Goes straight into the bloodstream, acting as that key, as if my pancreas was to release it, opens up the cells, and then everybody gets into the cells and everybody has a good time and we use it as energy. Perfect. So now you've got energy, but what I want to know is if you didn't inject yourself with insulin and the glucose continued to bounce off the cells, what would happen to your body? How would you be feeling? Uh, it's a horrible feeling. Um, so the, the, short, the two short-term effects of type 1 diabetes are either a low blood sugar, that's if you take too much insulin, or high blood sugar. That's if you don't take enough insulin, right? So because we're specifically talking about high blood sugar right now, um, when I have a high blood sugar, it's a horrible feeling. It's, uh, it's kind of like being diagnosed all over again, obviously to a lesser extent. But the buildup of the glucose, you feel really tired. I personally don't feel hungry at all. I know other people do feel hungry. I have no appetite, feel nauseous. Uh, your vision goes quite blurry. And then I get this I get this really weird feeling. I, I know your blood's warm anyway, but I get this sensation like my blood is even hotter than it is. It's, re- it's strange. So I, it's kind of like, for me, when my blood sugar's high, I feel as if someone's kind of squeezing me from the inside. It's this weird... Yeah, it's... <laughs> I know. That's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it sounds weird, but yeah. I, w- I would know. I, I know. I know if my blood sugar's low, I know if my blood sugar's high. What's the longest you've gone feeling like that? Have you been out with EpiPen for a period of time? Maybe you forgot it when you left the house. The longest time would have been just before I was diagnosed. Since I have been diagnosed, I've been good with it. I always have my stuff now. I forget my blood checker every now and then, but I always have my insulin. Well, most of the time. But there's never been an extended period of time. The longest that I can remember would be, apart from diagnosis, would be, say, going to bed at night, sleeping. Well, you rarely sleep. <laughs> sleeping and then waking up with a high, high blood sugar. When you wake up, it's like you've had 15 pints, but you haven't. You're nauseous, you have a headache, you're really dehydrated. Um, and do you wake up in the middle of the night with that feeling it, it can wake you up I'd more so wake up with a low blood sugar it's kind of like a natural alarm actually only last night I had two low blood sugars through the night so what happens when you've got a low blood sugar when you've a low blood sugar there's too much insulin in your body and basically your your body is like screaming out for, for glucose to bring you back up so <laughs> it's funny like if you I will feel, when my blood starts to drop off, feel it so I can treat it right away when I'm awake. Whereas if I'm asleep, it can't, it needs to go lower than average for my body to kind of kick in and set my natural alarm off really and be like, will you come on, wake up, will you? I need I need energy here. But when you wake up in the middle of the night and your blood sugar is really low, you have this sense of hunger, Graham. I can't even describe to you. Try and think back to the last time you were just like insanely hungry, right? And this type of hunger is that times 10,000. Like I honestly can't even describe it. You wake up and I always try I always try and deter myself from eating too much. I want to treat it with a few glucose tablets and that's it. But you're like a zombie, right? And you wake up and... I invade my kitchen like I'm a bear at a picnic. <laughs> like it's un, it's unbelievable. I can't describe it. The, one of them, the, I think the best one was I woke up, my blood sugar was like 
1.9. What's that for for the American readings? So people can put it into perspective. So so that's like a blood sugar of 35. I know it really doesn't mean anything to you, but that's really, really low. So I remember I woke up with a 1.9 and I like just I walked, walked into the kitchen like I was a bear and I opened up the cabinets and you eat anything. You eat anything you see, anything that has any sort of nutrition at all that you think will bring you back, bring your levels back up, you, get, you eat. So on one night I ate an entire sliced pan of bread, white bread, two packets of Sour Patch Kids, an entire tub of Nutella and a bowl <laughs> and a bowl of Cheerios. And then she you go back to bed and then because you fall back asleep, you wake up and your blood sugar's through the roof. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you said your reading was 1.9. What would be an average reading? What would mine be? If I was to check yours, it would be between four and eight. Now, we read it differently in Europe than they do in the States. So four... So... Here it's four. If I check your blood sugar, it should be between four and eight. And in the States, 72 to 144. And before you knew you were diabetic and when you got your, when you were feeling sick and you got your diagnosis, what was your reading when you were in hospital? So when I, when I first went into the hospital, when I was diagnosed, when they checked my blood sugar, um, it was 38 here. So that is. 684 for Americans now that probably still doesn't really mean much to you but yeah. to put it into perspective I was told I was less than 48 hours away from a coma wow yeah so serious stuff so I'm kind of getting the grip to grips of type 1 diabetes what would be the difference then between type 1 and type 2 because again newbie like me I would just think isn't it all the same isn't it all the same um, it is and it isn't they both generally involve food, blood sugar, pancreas, insulin, etc., etc. Um, they have the same signs and symptoms, same complications. But in terms of the onset and how rapidly it comes about, type type one is a lot more rapid. This type one can happen over a week, two, three weeks. You know what I mean? Type two is a longer process. It uh, takes a while to kick in. So. Type 2 is generally the one that people would refer to and they kind of have like, oh, diabetics are overweight and unhealthy and this and da da da. They aren't, they aren't. You know what I mean? Like type 2 is hereditary. The causes are known to be as a result of bad lifestyle, bad diet, so on. Um, But for type 2, it's almost like there's three stages to it. So there are different severities of type 2 to an extent so let's say the first one is pre-diabetes so that's when you you show signs so you could have high blood sugar um, fatigue increased thirst um, then after that it will progress do you know what I'll, I'll explain it like it's a pinata okay alright so I used an analogy as a a lock and key for type 1. I like your analogies. So, yeah, there's a few more to go. Dumbs it down for me. <laughs> so I'll use a piñata, right? Let's say, now this is loosely relevant. If a pancreas is like a piñata for a type 2 diabetic, when you're pre-diabetic, the pancreas has got a, a few whacks, right? And it's, it's still producing insulin and it's still going... But there's a buildup of fat, and people also think that 
type 2 is as a result of sugar but it's actually as a result of a buildup of fat so it's almost like you become less sensitive to insulin because of the fat around the cells let's let's take the piñata so the piñata is getting a few whacks and we hit pre-diabetes right that's kind of the the warning now that may not be spotted because it could be like minute symptoms and minute would it be similar to what you were receiving like weight loss fatigue yeah 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 yeah, to an extent now not as severe because it's a a much longer process so anyway keep giving that piñata a whack 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 it's getting battered you know what I mean It's, it's, it's trying to stay together the pancreas is still doing its thing or whatever but let's say it's not still not it's not working as efficiently and that's in, that's basically when you become insulin resistant so you still can reverse it to an extent because it's not at its most severe yet doctors will always recommend you to change your lifestyle exercise more change your diet bloody bloody blah, blah, blah and you can bring the pancreas back to not its original state but like a, yeah it's a it's, state. it's not it's not even necessarily the pancreas it's just based it, it can be because of like a buildup of fat in in the body and the bat, the fat around the cells so that's why you're insulin resistant you can't get into the cell no okay so it's it's all geared around the lock yeah <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> yeah, security guard or a moat <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, <laughs> so then as the stages go on and on and on and to, and it grows in severity let's say you are then diagnosed with type 2 diabetes so is it reversible at that stage you be, when you become insulin resistant you can change your diet and your lifestyle and it can be taken back you may get to a stage where you need to take oral medication to help keep to help regulate blood sugar and keep yourself healthy and then if it steadily progress well not progresses but progresses in a worse way you may then have to externally inject insulin like like I do not as frequently as a type 1 diabetic because your pancreas is still is still kicking but you may you may have to take insulin yeah going back to type 1 you said it happens at a much quicker rate is there any way when you see the early signs that you can um, turn it around? No. That's it. Just boom. You get it or you don't. And sure, me for a perfect example, and like many other people, I was always into sport. I was always fit. I was always healthy and I was always conscious of what I was eating. And boom, flick of a switch, overnight. Now, this you'll see the signs and symptoms, but nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing you can do to prevent it. And that's why that's an opinion that that people seem to have or they have this they have this idea in their head that diabetes is diabetes and diabetes is reversible and it's a result of what you've done and what you haven't done and what you've eaten it's your fault this kind of thing now it's not things are hereditary and obviously people's personal circumstances come into play a lot and you, you can't just brush it off as if it's oh it's your fault it's your fault you can't say that but specifically if we're talking about type 1 diabetes you either get it or you don't. You didn't do anything to bring it on. You couldn't have done anything to prevent it. It's just something that's now part of your life and something you have to deal with. So I hope you're slightly more enlightened than you were earlier today about type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Well, definitely am. I know. <laughs> type 1? Lock and key, type two, pinata. That's there what I've go. taken out of it. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all you need. Now, for the entirety of this podcast, what I want to do is I want to basically share my knowledge 
and share my personal experience over the past eight years. I want to get more in depth about my life and the daily struggles, let's say, living with the condition. So for next week, I'm going to basically get straight into how I was diagnosed, the signs and symptoms, how I knew something was wrong, and how I adapted myself into this new life I was thrown into. Thank you for listening to the Insulone Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so each episode goes directly to your phone. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Insulone. And if you have any question you'd like answered on the podcast, you can email it to theinsulonepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>